We've been in this, this uh, chapter of Luke 15 for a couple weeks now, and we're finally at the point of the father with his two sons, which is what people think about when they think about Luke 15 is the story of the prodigal son, right? It's a father who had two sons. And today we, we're going to get an overview of this story because I've purposely tried to stay out of that story the last few weeks, but today we're going to get an overview of this, this story, just walking through it verse by verse. And while doing so, I hope to point out a couple misconceptions that the son had of, or the sons had of the father, and how these misconceptions actually affected their relationship. But before I do that, before I do that, I... I Ask that you pray with me as we begin. God, I thank you so much for who you are, for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy. And God, I thank you that while it may appear as though you let us down from time to time, the reality is you never actually do because your ways are bigger than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And God, I pray that you would make that reality strong and deep and firmly rooted in our hearts today. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Luke 15, starting in verse 11, it says, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And immediately, immediately everybody who was listening to Jesus knew that this was the villain of the story. This was the bad guy. How dare he make such a request or demand of the father and disrespect him in this manner? See, in this this culture, a father would pass along his property in one of two ways, mostly he would pass it along in a will after death. They would divide up the, the inheritance amongst the, the children. Um, then uh, there's another way that was very uncommon, but it did happen some. It was mostly done um, as a gift during the life of the father. While he was still alive, he would give a gift to his, his children. We see this in Genesis 25. Abraham does this with his children. He gives them gifts and then sends them away from Isaac. He gives some gifts and sends them away. The, the reality is, every time this happens, this is done on the initiation of the father, not the, the demand or request of the child. And so it, even though this is something that did happen, the fact that the, the son demanded that the father give him what was rightfully his was actually very shocking. How dare you do this? And here the younger son, as soon as we're introduced to him, asks for what is coming to me, what belongs to me, what is going to be mine someday, give it to me now. I don't want to wait anymore, I want it now. And here we see, we see the first misconception, right? He's not satisfied with what he has. So the first misconception about the father is that there is something better, 
There is something better. We see in the the following verse his motivation. He says, not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. He wants to go away. That is his motivation. I want you to give me what is mine so that I can leave. It, It may seem normal for us for a son or a daughter to go away to college or, or to get a job and move out and move away from their hometown, right? It may seem normal for us to have our children move away or for us as children to move away from our parents. That is normal to us in our culture, but in this culture, that was abnormal. They, they were born and raised and died in the same place with their family. Their land was all that they had, and so they stayed there. And so for this son to say, I want to go, I want to leave, he was declaring, I want nothing to do with my family because something out there is better than what is here. When you left the way the son left, you were leaving with no intention of ever coming back. Leon Morris wrote in his commentary on Luke that the son said that he left nothing that would serve as an anchor and bring him back in due course. He cut ties with home. This father was dead to him. The family was dead to him. He was leaving never to never to be seen again. The younger son looked his father in the face and said, give me what is mine because I'm leaving. I'm leaving because something out there is better than anything in here. Something out there is better than anything in here. I need to go out there, out of this house, out from under your nose, out from under your rules. He, he, looked, uh, he looked at his father and said, I have to go find this on my own. I have to go out there and, and find what is waiting for me out there. He wanted to experience what the world had to offer because there is great possibilities and there is great riches and there are great things out there and I want to go experience what the world has for me. Or maybe, maybe he just simply needed to make it on his own. He was sick of being known as his father's son, and he wanted to be his own man. He knew that he had within him what it takes to make it on his own. Do either of these sound familiar to you? Do you ever find yourself looking at the things around you in the world and wondering if it might be better out there? If out there there is something better than what you find in here? Do you ever find yourself, catch yourself wondering that if you wondering if you are missing out on something out there in the world? Is, there, is the, the real source of your happiness still out there, still unfound because it is outside of this place? Are you looking to find satisfaction in those deep longings that you, you feel toward the things of the, the world, the things that the world offers you? Have you ever felt that, that your life would be easier or better if you 
were in charge. I mean, it's, it's not exactly easy to live this life with Christ, right? There are struggles that are specific to Christians. I mean, all of humanity suffers, right? I mean, that is, that is reality, that, that we all suffer. That is the broken nature of humanity after sin. We suffer. But there are struggles, there are sufferings that are very specific to Christians, there are restrictions with this life with Christ. You can't just go live like the world. You can't just go do everything you want to do. You can't go be out there doing all that you want to do. God does call us to obedience. He does call us to step away from certain lifestyles and certain things. And obedience is not always easy, right? The sanctification process, this process of being formed into the image of Christ daily is not easy because it is a chipping away of one's self. It is cutting out of me those desires that I have that go against what God is trying to form me into. It is me intentionally with the help of God and the Holy Spirit to, to remove from me those things that I want, deny those things that I want so that I can be formed into his image. It is denying those things that are pleasurable because the reality is, we don't like to talk about this in church, the reality is, is that there is pleasure in sin for a moment. If there wasn't pleasure in sin, that would not be a temptation to you. Before you get angry that I said that, you know that. If there was no pleasure, there would be no temptation In this, this time with the inheritance laws, the, the father would divide up his property amongst his children in a very specific way. There were laws on how he should divide them up. The, 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 the father would give the oldest son a double portion. So he would get twice as much as any of the other children. So in this situation with two sons, one, the older son would get two-thirds and the younger son would get a third of what the father had. But in this scenario, when you would give a gift before you're dead, you didn't actually give as much as you would if you were passing it along in the will. You would give a little bit less. So that makes this whole thing a little bit more significant because the younger son looks at his father and says, I would rather, I would rather take less from you and go my own way. I would rather have, have what I want now instead of getting the full that you have for me down the road. I would rather, I would rather take less now instead of waiting for what you are going to give me down the road. I'm reminded of what the writer of Hebrews said in talking about Moses in Hebrews chapter 11. It said that, that Moses chose rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. I'm not supposed to have the best now. The best 
is still yet to come. There is still a reward down the road. And living this life with Christ means to deny yourself of those instant fleeting gratifications now, those fleeting pleasures of the world for something that is better but is not now. I don't know about you, but I'm not always patient I'm not always able to wait for something that is better down the road when what is right in front of me seems good now. Am I the only one? You don't look like this if you give in to those little little snacks now. That Reese's peanut butter cup looks good now. That six-pack might be great later but that doesn't help me now, right? See, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, this, this idea, this mentality can lead us down the path of the younger son, either, either in an all-out sprint like we see all around us with the deconstruction uh, movement that is happening right now where people are giving up on faith because we have lost sight of the reward and we are focusing on the denial, and that makes this thing so difficult. We've lost sight of the reward that comes, and we focus on the denial of self now, and we get frustrated, and we get bitter, and we want to walk away because it's better out there than it is in here. I'm sorry, I don't want to get into next week's message. That's next week. Come back next week and hear that. But if we're, if we're not careful with this mentality of, of always, always looking at the, the what is the, in the moment now, what can satisfy these desires now, what is good now, and not looking ahead to the, the future reward, what will happen is we will burn out. We will burn out. There has to be a hope of a future reward because denial now is simply self-driven righteousness. If we're not looking for the reward that Christ has with us, we will burn out if we are taking all of our energy spiritually and physically to withstand and abstain from temptation so that we can be righteous we are living a moral deism that is simply self-driven righteousness, and we will burn out. We will look to the things around us and want to go there. Or maybe, more likely, we will find ourselves in a slow fade. Maybe it's an all-out sprint away, or maybe it is simply a slow fade. We begin to choose what I want now over what God wants Tomorrow, we begin to settle for the momentary things instead of the lasting things. We become like Esau who traded his birthright for a bowl of stew. He traded that thing that was best for him in the future for what he wanted right now in this moment. See, this is what we see in the younger son. He was convinced that there was something better out there. I'll take less now instead of waiting for what you want to give me in the future. So the first chance he got, he left and went into a far country. And there he squandered all his property, all his money in reckless living. 
He lost everything he had. He wasted, as it were, his very life in careless, thoughtless, haphazard living. And as is normal, when it rains, it pours. And at the same time, he spent the last of his money, a severe famine hit. And it was then that he experienced for the first time what it meant to be in need, to not have everything you needed provided for you. He was so desperate that he got a job on a, on a pig farm, feeding the pigs. And I, I believe Joseph, Jesus, may, he chose a pig farmer just to really emphasize, really emphasize how low the sun had gone. This is hyperbole to show just how far the sun had gone, that he was, he was not just wanting to feed the pigs, but he was wanting to eat what they were eating because a a good, right, proper Jewish man would not dare eat what the pigs were eating. It was unclean. I mean, they would not dare eat the pigs even. They were unclean animals, and now he is here wanting to eat what they were eating. Friends, this, this, this is what the world has to offer This is what the road away from the Father leads us to. This is where he finds himself far away from the Father, not in satisfaction, not in happiness, but in desperation. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread. He finally realized that everything that he had believed about the Father was a lie. This, it wasn't better out here, outside of the Father's house. This is what the road away from the Father's house leads to, destruction and despair, not, not satisfaction. Friends, the same is true for you. The little things, no matter how subtle, no matter how small, the little things over time leading us away from the Father's house leads us to destruction and despair, not satisfaction. Very rarely is it a one-time thing Normally, it is a slow fade. I heard a counselor say one time that it is not a wrecking ball to the house of faith. It is, it is pulling out brick by brick, one at a time, that causes the house of faith to crumble. It is a slow fade that is leading us away from the Father toward destruction and despair. And I know it seems like I'm speaking in hyperbole this morning, but that is not hyperbole. That is reality. But the son comes to himself. He realizes this. He devises a plan to go back home to apologize to his father and beg for a chance to work it off, to repay his debt to his father, to be treated as an employee. He, he hoped that his father would be able to allow him to return. And he walks home working on his speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to, to be called your son. 
son. Instead, instead, let me learn a trade and, and work to repay what I, I owe you. Tim Keller in his book, Prodigal God, says that, that this wasn't simply just repentance. This was a business proposition. Let me repay you. Let me learn how to work with my hands so that I can repay you. But before he even gets close, he says, while he was still a great way off, the father sees him and has compassion on him. And he runs to him. And he jumps on him. And he hugs him and he kisses him. And he starts to push away and give his speech to his father. And, and, and the father ignores him altogether. And he starts, he's so excited that this son who is dead is now alive, who was lost, is now found. And he starts to look at his servants and he's like, hey, hey, I want you to go get the best robe. Get the best robe and come and put it on him. And I want you to get sandals and put them on his feet. And I want you to get the family ring and put it on his hand. This son of mine that was dead is now alive. We, we, we need to celebrate, go kill the fattened calf, and, and we're going to party. And they did. They celebrated. And then, at this point, we're introduced to the older son. He was in the field, and as he came, draw, and he drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And the servant said to him, your brother has come home, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. And the brother was so excited that he ran in celebrating with his father and his younger brother. No. He was like us. He was angry. And he refused to go in. How dare you? What should have been a joyous occasion for everyone quickly became a frustrating moment for the son and a heartbreaking moment for the father. It was a moment that he was jealous of his younger brother and bitter at his father at the same time. See, the father goes out to, to, to him and tries to get him to come in, and he wants nothing to do with it. Instead, he looks at him and he says, look, these many years I've served you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And here... Here's the second misconception about the father that we see with these two sons. You are withholding. You are withholding. There's something that you just refuse to give me that I know I need, that I desperately want. See here, the, the older son is frustrated not with the younger son, He's not frustrated that the younger son is back. He's not frustrated that the father is happy that the younger son is back. He is frustrated that he didn't get what he wants. So there's enough, there's enough for you to give him this cow. Why don't you give me something? 
So notice there were two, two different animals, two different meats in here. The, the meat at this time was not the center of the meal. Bread was. Meat was reserved for special occasions, and especially the, the fattened calf. That was reserved for very special occasions. And, and this, this son, the older son, comes back, and he's like, hey, what, what is happening right now? You're, you killed the fattened calf for him, and you won't even give me a goat? Why are you holding back what, what I deserve? Why are, you, why are you withholding from me those things that I want, that I need? What is happening right now? See, we see, we see the frustration of the older brother as judgment toward the younger brother, right? That's how we preach this, right? I'm sure most of us, if you've been to church and you've heard this passage, you hear the younger son as the one who's the, the lawless sinner who's run away and is living wickedly, and the, the God is this great big father who welcomes him back in, and the other, younger brother's the religious one who looks down and judges the, older, the, the younger brother, but that's not really what's happening here. See, the, the older brother did, he, he was frustrated that the younger brother had gone out and lived like an idiot. He, he was frustrated that he was wasteful. He was frustrated that he had done stupid, ridiculous things. But really, really, at the end of the day, what was happening is that he was frustrated. He was frustrated that the father wouldn't bless me. I don't even need the fattened calf. I just want a goat. I just want something. In 2021, in 2021, uh, we were we, we were in a the two years into feeling like we were our time at our last church was coming to an end, and we were praying and looking for what God had for us, and and it felt like everything we got excited about there was a door that closed and. Um, we went through so many things thinking about this, is, this. I think this might be what God wants us to do. And, and, and it felt like every time God closed the door and it was just this very frustrating moment. And I, I remember sitting in our apartment one night and, um, and I was just praying and, and I was feeling all of the frustration. And I, I remember praying, God, I, have, I feel like I've done everything you've asked for me to do. Like, why won't you do something for me? And he hit me. Oh, man, I'm the older brother. I'm, I'm the older brother. Holy cow. Completely changed the way I see the older brother. He was frustrated that the father, that he'd, he'd done everything that he thought he should be doing. Why won't you, why won't you do something for me? Why won't you be what I need you to be? Have you ever been there? Are you there right now? Do you have very clear ideas of what you want the Father, what you want God to do for you, and he just does not care? He's not doing what you're asking? Or is it less about clarity of what you want from him to do, that it's just that you find yourself frustrated, that it seems as though God is blessing everybody else, and if, if you're blessing everybody else, why not bless me as well? If you can do for everybody else, why not do for me? I know you're a God that loves other people. I know you're a God that is for people. Why not be for me? If you're not careful, 
If you're not careful, you can very easily find yourself right here with the older brother, angry at God and refusing to go in, not even to celebrate the younger brother, but go in to be with the father. Because each of these misconceptions are are just that. They are misconceptions. They are not reality. They are not true because we see in the story that the father is the exact opposite of what they have believed him to be. See, the younger brother realizes that it was not better somewhere else. It was better right there at at the house of the father. It was better at home, not somewhere else out in the world. It was it was even better for the servants here much less the son. I, I should probably go back to that. Just to show you how far off these were, right? Remember, I said in the inheritance, there was the double portion, right, for the older son. There was the, the two-thirds for him. There was the third for the younger son. That in a gift while you're still living, you would get less than that third. You would get less than, than what was there. But this is what's... The, <laughs> if you read... If you read right after that, he said, Father, give me what's coming to me. He says, the Father divided to them, divided to them as property. That word property there, this, this word property is three different times and it's different words. This time it is bios. It's this, this word that we, we know as bios, right? Life. The King James translation actually words it as he gave them, he divided to them his life. His living, his livelihood. The father looked at the son and instead of giving him less, he gave him everything. This is, this is why he looks at the older son and he's like, what are you talking about I'm withholding from you? I've given you everything. All that is mine is yours. What are you talking about? Honestly, both of these misconceptions are are there because each one of them was too focused on what the father would give them instead of the father himself. They were focused on what they... (laughs) They were focused on what they would get from him instead of just getting him. This is what the, this is what the father says to his son. I, I, I love this. I think, we, I think we blow past this little subtle statement looking at all that is mine or all that I have is yours. We look, we look past this little statement. He starts off and he says, son, you are always with me. You're with me. Why are you focused on something else? I am enough. Being with me should be enough. If you're a parent, you probably get this at least a little bit, right? Your kids come to you and it seems like they more and more just want what you're going to give them instead of just being with you. And you're like, I can just sitting next to me not be enough? (laughs) 
In Luke 10, we see Jesus say something fairly similar to this to the 72 as he sent them out. And they came back in and they were so excited and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in, in your name. And, and then he said, I, I, I love this. He's like, that's, that's nothing. He says, I, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. In other words, you haven't seen anything yet. And then he goes on, nevertheless, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Friends, the, the real prize is not what we get from God. The real prize is that we get God. The real prize is not that he blesses me, though he does. The real prize is not that he provides all of my needs, which he does. The real prize is not even that I get to be in heaven one day. The real prize is that he chose me now, that he looked across eternity and he saw me and he said, mine. That is the prize. That is the reward. And when we take our eyes off of him being the prize, we find ourselves seeing him differently than he is. Because he, he becomes a spiritual piggy bank. Instead of a treasure. I think so, so often we, we completely lose the reality that he is the prize. Let me ask you this as we leave this morning. What is that thing that is most threatening to your contentment with simply being with him? Sorry, I'm emotional today. You guys are hearing this for the first time today, but I've been living it all week. What are those things that are so tempting to me? They tempt my satisfaction in him. They pull me away. Maybe you're like the, the younger son that is out there. It feels like there's something better out there. Maybe you, you are trying to make it on your own way. You're trying to live your own life, that you're trying to do all that you want to do and you found, like this younger son, this is not leading to happiness. This is leading to despair and destruction. This life is not all it's cracked up to be. And now you would say, I, I want to trade these fleeting pleasures for something that is real, that is sustaining, that is life-changing. Friends, you can this morning. You can know, you can know the one that is sufficient. You can know the one that is life-giving. You can know the one that is all-satisfying. You can know him this morning. That is the reward, knowing him. All you have to do, all you have to do is pray a very simple prayer. 
very simple prayer, just something along the lines, not even these exact words, but along the lines, God, I've tried it my way, I've done my things, and I keep making a mess of this. The actual prayer that I prayed when I believed God saved me and changed me was, God, I'm tired of screwing up my life. I need you to help. All you have to do is pray, God, I need forgiveness of my sins. Submit and surrender to you. It's that simple. It's that easy. If you have prayed that today for your first time or the first time you really meant it, or you want to learn more about that, come see someone after the service with a red lanyard. We'd love to talk with you. Sound like a sales pitch, sorry. But maybe this isn't new to you. Maybe you've walked with God for years and years, but you realize this morning that your focus has slipped away from contentment with him and excitement about your relationship with him. And this morning, you, you, you want to, to come back. The good news is you can. The good news is you can come back this morning. Just simply come back to him in prayer. Realign yourself with him. God, I want to be content in you. I want to be in line with you. And whatever the, the situation is for you this morning, the Father is standing before you, arms open wide, ready to welcome you back in, to bring you back in. You can lay whatever temptation that is that is keeping you pulling away from the Father going out into the things of this world. You can lay that aside. You can lay that, that pursuit aside. You can lay that desire aside. You can lay that addiction aside. You can lay that concern and that frustration and that lack of forgiveness aside. And today you can choose to say, no, I want to be satisfied in you. Regardless of what you do, for me or give to me, I want to learn to rejoice that my name is written in heaven. May that be our prayer this morning. I want to learn to rejoice that my name is written in heaven, that I am yours and you are mine. Father, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you that we are yours, that we are chosen. God, I pray that you would speak to us, challenge us, reveal to us what it is that is tempting us to pull away from you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Would you stand and receive this benediction as we leave? Would you just... Kind of put your hands out like you're receiving a gift. The benediction is just simply a good word as you leave. And the grace 
of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. We'll see you next week.